0: Hi, everybody. The Comedy on Vinyl podcast. Uh, this week, I have Jack Dolgen with me. Thank you for being here, man.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So we met on the set of Rachel Bloom's Jazz Fever. Yes. And I didn't know who you were. And then later, she's talking to me during the next, the last podcast she was on, talking about you and how much of that album you worked on. Right. Now I obviously look you up and see all the comedy that you've <laughs> put, done music for. So why don't you tell me tell me more about yourself? I've obviously looked you up. Tell my audience about yourself. Um. Well, I...
1: I, I've i been in L.A. for almost four years now, mm-hmm. and um, since moving here, I've been doing mostly um, music for TV and movies and commercials and uh, comedy music. Yeah. So uh, that all more or less started when I moved out here. When I was in New York, I was in New York for 10 years before I moved here, I was doing Sort of more just like I was in a band and mm-hmm. touring and doing that kind of stuff. Mainly just music. Yeah. Every once in a while I would do uh, something for like TV. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty rare. So um, the comedy music stuff started at least in, in this, you know, in these last four years with with Rachel, mm-hmm. Rachel Bloom, who you've had on your show. Yeah. Um, she came to me, she was visiting... Her boyfriend, who I'm friends with, mm-hmm. and she said that she wanted to do a song, um, a comedy song, and you know, can we record it and that whole thing. And mm-hmm. so we we got together and we we worked on the song and she played me what she had and we kind of collaborated on the on what would how it would sound sure. and um, and that was "Fuck Me, Ray Bradbury," which was her first, That's uh, so good. yeah, like That's big so good. Uh, video and. And whatever And she went back So we recorded out here She went back to New York And made just an amazing Music video for it And we've been working together Ever since that
0: Yeah What Is it just because You've known comedy people That you've gotten into comedy music Or was it something you would wanted to do
1: Um, I guess I've always been uh, Into comedy But that seems like the most, like, ubiquitous thing ever?
0: Like, who isn't into so. comedy? You would think so, <laughs> but I meet some people who don't seem like they're into music, and that always blows my mind. So, right. you know, like... Okay, yeah. So some people just aren't humorous, and, which right. is odd. Uh, so it it does shock me, but no, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, it, like,
1: Yeah, I mean, comedy was, like, definitely the first... Comedy and music were the two things that, like, sort of blew my mind when I was little. Which, mm-hmm. again, I don't think is that entirely uncommon, but... Mm-mm. But it, for me, it was Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and Motown stuff mm-hmm. and Chuck Berry, and, on the music side, and then it was Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and Jackie Mason. Um, on the sort of comedy side. Yeah. So when I was young, and then and then of course, it's like I'm like thirty one now. So by the time I was like in middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when those um, Adam Sandler records yeah. came out, and that was a combo, and Weird Al was getting, like, really sure. big. Um, I did my first comedy song when I was, I think, nine mm-hmm. or ten. I wrote a parody of um, Black or White, the Michael Jackson yeah. song, uh-huh. that was Dark or Light, uh-huh. uh, that was Thanksgiving-themed, <laughs> and I called it into... The local radio morning radio station on Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I sang yeah, my oh. my darker light uh, parody on that. That's fucking amazing. The radio.
0: <laughs> Holy shit! What, how did they receive it? What, what I mean, I think, think?
1: It, I can't imagine what they were thinking. Like, what? First of all, what? Why? Why even do that? And then I was a little kid, so I probably sounded like a little girl, right? You know, right, like right. just singing with no music. Just singing these like oh, so parody funny. lyrics I wrote. That's amazing. But I really didn't do anything much after. Oh well, for my when I ran for vice president of my student council in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and I sang, I wrote a parody song of, of, of Ice Ice Baby that was called Vice Vice Baby. That was. <laughs> Running for vice president. Holy shit. And I have, like, a couple friends of mine, like, dancing. That's amazing. <laughs> so other than that, uh-huh. there was... Not, I didn't really do any other comedy music after... I guess... I guess I did a little, like... I, I used to do theme songs for my friends. mm mm-hmm. um, Where, uh... <laughs> like, I had a friend... I had a couple friends who had a blog. Mm-hmm. um And they wanted, like... They heard a theme song that I made for another friend's pilot. Okay. I made a theme song for his pilot. And they heard it and they were like, we want a theme song for our blog. And so I made a theme song for their blog that was just sort of like joking about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to do stuff like that and just like entertain my family sure. with like making up songs and making fun of everyone in the family on mm-hmm. during holidays and stuff like that. But I never really took it seriously yeah. or thought that I was going to like make uh, any sort of money or career out of doing comedy and certainly not comedy music, you know? Right, I was interested in, like, improv and stuff when I was in high school, but I didn't really have access to anything of quality, you know? It was, like, really lame, cheesy, like, local, like theater and, and improv we had an improv theater there that was just like I took the classes and did the shows and was like this is so lame I can't even <laughs> do this this is bad so <laughs> nothing you, like how like you know' people like Rachel who have like gone through right. like amazing like you know training at UCB of and course. places like that
0: where are you from originally then if you're in New York for ten years
1: I grew up in Tucson Arizona really? okay
0: yeah so what was it as... It always when I hear people talk about growing up in the desert, yeah, it always seems a little bleak, and I don't know if that's is was it the case for you or is it
1: well it was it was very sunny, sure, and you're outside all the time mm-hmm. and uh and yes, it was extremely bleak my internal <laughs> my internal experience was was bleak mm-hmm. my external experience w- was difficult to r- relate to,
0: yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: I mean, and that's really, um, you know, th- th- thinking about the 2,000-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you
0: for bringing it back on point, by the way. That is what we're talking about, two, uh, 2,000-year-old man.
1: Yeah, 2,000 years with with Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks. That was one of the first um, things that I heard that was funny, you mm-hmm. know. like And when I heard that it it really like a bell kind of went off in my head because yeah. growing up in Tucson as a Jew mm-hmm. um, I didn't I didn't really you wouldn't know it that I was Jewish I was blonde and mm-hmm. I had blonde blue eyes and straight blonde hair then I mean I was like I might as well have been like in training for like the Hitler youth <laughs> but 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 my experience like in my in my home and culturally, and mm-hmm. just personality-wise, was extremely Jewish. It was yeah. really born out of the culture of Judaism, sure. not so much the religion, but just the culture. Yeah. And I felt one of my earlier sort of senses of self was definitely like, I where am, where am I? Like, yeah. I don't fit in with what's happening here. Yeah. Like, all of these kids that I, I'm going to school with are. They're very tan, uh-huh. you know, and they're wearing shorts and t-shirts in the winter, and I'm in, like, a parka because my mom <laughs> thinks I'm going to get, like, pneumonia if I don't, like, ha- I mean, I was basically dressed for, like, the Alaskan winters, oh, and it was, like, eh, low 60s, uh-huh. you know, and, like, these kids are running around. They're always healthy. I'm always sick. They're free. I'm not... You know, I just felt, like, extremely, like, different, and I didn't fully understand what that difference was, and then I heard the 2,000-year-old man, and I started to be exposed to Mel Brooks movies, Mm -hmm. this record, and Jewish humor, Jewish comedians, and I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm this
0: thing! (laughs)
1: that's the thing that I am yeah. that, and I just happened to have been plopped down with all the cactus yeah. and the and the sport, sports you know and, and I tried to connect with the with the sports and the running and the stuff and I was terrible at all of it I enjoyed it but I was bad and emotional and I could cry if I didn't make the basket and right. you know like right. kids were going out into the desert and like chasing trapping snakes you know I mean Jesus. and I would like I'd be like you go, you trap snakes. I'm going to hang out with your mom. She's got the candy drawer open. We're going to watch, you know, we're going to watch some some soap operas, you know. Days of Our Lives is on. She's making grilled cheese. If you bring her back a snake, let me know. Right. So that was kind of the contrast. Yeah. And it, thanks to these guys, you know, thanks to like Mel Brooks and mm-hmm. actually thanks to my dad, you know, I I got exposed to this sort of culture that I somehow belonged to even though I wasn't necessarily um surrounded by it in the way yeah. that I would have been had I been born as I should have been, mm-hmm. a baby boomer Jew in, you know,
2: in Queens. <laughs> right. You must have known some great men in your time. You did travel throughout I the I knew world. the
3: great and the near great. Could I ask you about some of these? Certainly. I'll tell you the true the true whether I knew
2: or not. For instance, people are People are very interested in somebody like Joan of Arc A lot has been written about her and we read a lot about her Ah, uh, what a cutie <laughs> Joan of Arc You knew Joan of Arc? I went with her, dummy I went with her <laughs> Nowhere in history do we uh, know of Joan going with anybody Well, they
3: don't print that
2: uh, They don't print everything You didn't marry her?
3: No, no, I didn't marry her because she was on a mission, you know yes, She used she... to say to me, she used to say to me uh, I gotta say friends. I used to say, hey, look, I gotta wash up. You say friends, and I'll see you later. After you'll say France, I'll wash up, you know? How did you Calling feel? and her way, me and mine.
2: Yes. You know? How did you feel about her being burnt at the stake? Terrible.
1: <laughs> Terrible. See, I didn't... I didn't know.
0: Uh, <laughs> so were you a very religious family then? Like, no, not, we weren't no? that just religious. Culturally. It was just
1: yeah and i think i and i mean i'm i think somehow the most culturally like jewy out of like my family yeah i I, I, i'm the least religious but like i'm definitely the most neurotic i'm definitely the most like obsessed with like death i mean you know Mm -hmm. i don't know it's there some of them like really get by but i just really related to to jewish humor it spoke to those like discomforts and insecurities that yeah. I sensed inside.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even even an album like this which is filled with him doing characters, I feel yeah. it still bleeds through. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean they didn't you know, they they started doing this routine at parties right. and they didn't want to record it because they thought it was too Jewish. Yeah. Right. You know, that right. that the, the humor is too blue and too basically ethnic. Yeah. Because he's yeah. doing the two thousand year old man in the in the accent of a like a basically like a New York Jew. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. And that which is part of what's so funny about it. How could the world, how could the masses relate to that? It's too yeah. it's too
0: <clears throat> jewy, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. But the world is clearly ready for this. Right. And yeah. it and what's funny too is I mean I I I listen through it again and like the bits are like They're of indeterminate lengths. It could either be a minute. It could be a ten-minute riff. Right. They're not necessarily filled with laugh-out-loud stuff, but the audience is. They're killing with the audience, but it's it's listening to this sort of early, uh, sort of rough version of what we look at improv as now, you know, like with, especially like, I had Scott Ackerman on talking about one of their albums and, you know, that's what he does. He does fake interviews, you know, and that's what he, and he realized this is what he's doing. And, uh, I don't know. It's just sort of the, it's, it's this different weird brand of something that still doesn't really exist outside of podcasts now, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the interview bits I mean, <laughs> the second, the B-side of this is under-talked about, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. side with all the other sketches. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of people know the 2000 Men, but not everyone knows the, the B-side sketches. And these interview, you know, like, I have all these friends who are UCB people, yeah. and they're they're so much smarter and better trained than me in the world of comedy, and, you know, you... you you always hear about game, you know, yeah, and then that's it's just exactly what Mel Brooks is doing mm-hmm. in these little sketches yeah. you know he's he's just grabbing onto that one thing, yeah. you know, and and not letting go, <laughs> regardless of how peculiar or absurd it is, right. and of course. It almost always somehow comes back to like the uh, some sort of Nazi obsession.
0: It like, certainly does. You
1: know, I mean, for, why does it? Why is everyone like a German? Like, every, I mean, I love the Peruvian. I oh, mean, yeah. the Peruvian, brilliant. brilliant. Is a genius. He's he, oh, we're talking to plantation farmers, Peruvian, and he's a Nazi. He's a guy. He's guy. He's fled to Argentina. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: It's, it's incredible. So fucking good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I, I always it, it always you always do hear that coming through, and I I I wonder how much of it's intentional because like when you listen to him talk about you know I mean he was in the army during World War II. A big thing of his was just like the only way to destroy Hitler is. To just reduce him to a joke You know, and he's like, just consistently That's, it seems to just be It's just very important To him, and it's subconscious Like, I don't know how much of it's, again, I I don't know How much of this they plan at all If it's just like, all right, I want you to interview me As such and such, it's actually going to turn out this Let's just go, Right. you know
1: Well, I mean, there's certainly, you know Mel Brooks is so smart So is Carl Reiner Mm -hmm. And these guys were working through Um I think they were working through trauma. Sure. You know, they were dealing with trauma Mm -hmm. and sadness and darkness Mm -hmm. and all the things that we try so hard to avoid, you know, with humor Mm -hmm. and in such a brilliant way. Mm -hmm. You know, just thinking about the timing, you know, it's like, wasn't that long after World War II. No, not at all. I mean, this is 61 where the record came out. Yeah. So you got to figure... You know, they've been doing it for f- this type of thing for a few years before that, sure, too. Sure, sure. And it's just, like, kind of just right off the bat, like, how are we going to deal with this if we're not going to yeah, you poke holes in it, right. you know, and just make fun of it? For sure. And turn this guy into, I mean, you know, and that, that makes me think of Springtime for Hitler. Of course. You know, and the producer's <laughs> just like, there's nothing better than that. No, It's no. the
0: best. Yes, it is. Springtime Absolutely. for Hitler was the best. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is that's what they were going to call the movie, too, at first, but they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let him call it that. Because, I love that. You know? I, and I think... I don't... You never know if Mel Brooks' stories are true or not, but I still love listening to them tell them. He said that the producer originally was like, can we call it Springtime for Mussolini? He's like, that makes no <laughs> sense. That makes no sense. So absolutely not. So we'll call it the fucking producers, and we'll move on. And, right. But yeah, no, absolutely the best. Have you ever... Well, I'll find it later, but if you've seen the album cover... To the producers' soundtrack, it's amazing. No, I haven't seen it's it. It's a sexy lady in a bikini with a Hitler stash. It's like, fun oh my brilliant. god, brilliant, amazing. I'll see if I can find it. Oh then, please, after this. But I love it. So what? I think inevitably this comes around to, and I apologize if this is like a question you've heard before as a musician. But Mel Brooks is, was a drummer before he was a musician, right? right? Rhythm, comedy. Does, it, does Does rhythm and music inform your, your sense of comedy?
1: I think it's real. I mean, I think it's an undeniable thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you consciously or not decide to wait a certain amount of time before you say the next sure. words, yeah. you know, there's rhythm in that, yeah. you know? And some people speak awkwardly. You know, you can hear someone speak without rhythm. Sure you might not notice it until you hear someone speak with incredible rhythm. Yeah. And that's, you know, like great, great orators. Mm -hmm. They have a rhythm, you know. So it's sort of embedded in just communicating in general. Mm -hmm. And so I think it makes sense that it's part of comedy Mm -hmm. as well. But I don't know if it's something you think about. And I'm not sure how literal the connection is between music and like comedic timing mm-hmm. but maybe maybe it's sort of just in there just in the same way that some people can kind of keep a beat yeah and some people are it's they're just not as naturally inclined to it sure you know yeah I don't know I mean I think Mel Brooks's delivery is very rhythmic mm-hmm. you know he's yeah. got a really rhythmic kind of um uh, I mean, now this is going to sound pretentious, but he does <laughs> almost have, like, a jazz groove to Absolutely. the way he, like, delivers. Mm-hmm. You know? It's got, like, a swing, and it's got, like, a boom.
0: It does. Absolutely. And that's what he talks about. I've heard him talk about that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm always interested to listen to musicians talk about comedy, because I think there's a little overlap, maybe a bigger overlap than we realize.
1: Well, I definitely think, I mean, there's definitely a thing about where... Musicians wish they were comedians, and, sure. and comedians wish they were musicians. Mm-hmm.
0: There's, and there's some crossover,
1: you know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure. You, you're lucky. You're lucky when you get to do it. I feel like because I, I, you know, Weird Al is a god to me. Rachel Bloom is, and I, I, I say this not in a kiss ass way. Is like my next favorite musical comedian. Like she's a genius. Um, I agree. I mean,
1: Ra- Rachel. I work with Rachel all the time. Mm-hmm. She is. It's not. Hyperbole mm. to say that she's brilliant. Yeah, like she really is. A, she is a genius.
0: She did make like sure she
1: would have a weird. She would like if you tested her, mm-hmm. she would. It would be like, oh, you're some weird genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like she's amazing, <laughs> and her and her. She's so sharp. She's so comedically skilled. Her mind is so like limber and creative, mm-hmm. and she knows how to ground things, you know, and ground her sort of sometimes wild ideas. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like, she can sing really well and, like, write melody. And, right. I mean, where does that come from?
0: You know? Like, yeah, right. It's a, you know, share a little bit of the talent with the rest of us. <laughs> what makes it, what makes you guys work together so well? And, and what do you contribute? Because she talked a little bit about what you contributed to some songs, but yeah. I didn't really get to go over it all It's with different
1: it. with every song. I yeah. mean, sometimes she comes in and, and is like, I have this song. You know I thought of this idea. I wrote these lyrics, I have this melody, and it's pretty much just done. Mm-hmm. I mean that happens true and then so some and then and then I my job is to just kind of basically make sure that I hear the production in my mind, understand what she has in mind, and we'll talk about what it should sound like and what kind of instrumentation mm-hmm. maybe a couple little what about this. Chord or what about this little change or something sometimes there's nothing mm-hmm. and then make it you know i'll make it sure um or I'll make it with someone else or you know we work with a few different people on different sure. different songs um Scott Jerome is a really wonderful like arranger and on the more jazzy stuff like and classical stuff uh, we work with him and uh-huh. and I've brought uh in um Friend of mine, Mike Geyer, who does is really good pop producer, and sometimes we'll Mm co-produce some of the songs. And then some of the other songs are are a little less fully um, fleshed out, and she'll have an idea Mm -hmm. and the beginnings of something, and then we'll we'll sort of write it together and craft it together. And then we've also had songs where we kind of come to an idea together, Mm -hmm. and then we write it together. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. which can be you know, which can take a long time. It can be. You know, really tricky. We try and have a high level of, you know, try and set the bar high and not, like, go let, let anything be too easy. Sure. And make sure things are really sharp.
2: We have our tape recorder set up in an army base. We can't tell you exactly where for security reasons. We're going to speak to some of the men... ...who are billeted at the base. Sir, may we speak to you? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, sure you uh, can. What do you want to say? Say you'll...
3: it fast. Don't catch us.
2: Uh, sir, we were not going to say anything that will be against security. Uh-huh,
3: uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Sure.
2: What do you do here at the base, sir? I'm an astronaut. Uh, are you, Are you, sir, one of the seven astronauts who have been chosen? That's shows... right.
3: I'm one of the seven. That's l- right. I'm one of the seven.
2: Now, They're l- going to
3: shoot me out into, into space, into the blue. now wait, Up j- above buildings.
2: Now, sir, just one moment. One moment. Uh-huh. 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 I I sure.
3: seem to af- I'm a little nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to lose
2: my life. That's why I'm. <laughs> well, yeah. Sir, may I ask you something? Sure. I saw the pictures of the seven astronauts that appeared in Life okay, magazine. Okay, you saw
3: those pictures. Yeah. You
2: are not among them. None
1: of them are them. I <laughs> mean, those are not the real No, those are models. And then from the beginning, the goal is always to make sure that these comedy songs, if you essentially didn't understand English mm-hmm. would just be songs. Yeah. You know, yeah. that they would stand on their own as a song. Like, that the melody was strong mm. enough and the production was on point enough for them to work as music and that they are actually catchy. Sure. Even if you didn't get the joke. Yeah, I, so I mean,
0: that's a huge part of why it's so good is the production value, for lack of a better term. You know, it's just so... Uh, I, it's just put together better than most people are putting together comedy songs. Most people... Slap things together At the last moment Right When you listen to this album It clearly has been like Whittled and sanded And there's just And polished You know There's a lot of work to that
1: Yeah and I think That's important for When you're doing pop You know When you're you're sort of like Doing these genre parodies You know You know Sort of Spearing pop music Mm -hmm. If you don't if you don't hit the production part, I mean, it's all that's all these songs are, are production and like empty lyrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're doing, we're trying to like get the production on 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 par as best we can, and then fill that empty, <laughs> those empty lyrics with something that like has something to say and yeah. is funny. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'll produce a comedy song different than I'll produce a non-comedy song. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes. You you make some choices where you really need to be able to understand what the the singer is saying. Sure. Like if you can't understand what Rachel or, or anyone else like any other comedic singer is saying, you're not going to get the joke. Sure. And then and then what's the point? Yeah. And you might have to make some different choices. Mm-hmm. You know, we do things a little bit simpler sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um Or just you know, it's always kind of in mind. You know, you mix it a little bit different, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Do you remember what the first comedic music you ever heard was, off the top of your head? I think it was probably
1: in the producers. Okay. I'm pretty sure that that was the first... um, Yeah, it was was probably Springtime for Hitler. That's awesome. If it wasn't Springtime for Hitler, then it would have been... um, Maybe... Maybe like the the dance number in Blazing Cells or something. Yeah. The, you know, <laughs> put out your hands, take out your tush, give him a push. Uh, but I know, I think it was. I think it was. It was the producers. That was my. I mean, I was lucky in that sense because my dad was just like he had. He had. He had only had a few things to like pass down to me culturally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was. And he passed them down very well. That's and it was like. All right, you're a girl, You're you're this like weird Aryan-looking blonde Jew growing up in Tucson. You're gonna, but you're gonna like idolize Mickey Mantle, and the Yankees. And my dad grew up in New York. Uh-huh. My dad had that, you know, that New York baby boomer Jew experience. Mm-hmm. You're gonna idolize the Yankees and Mickey Mantle, and you're going to be obsessed with Mel Brooks. And we're gonna sit and watch these movies over and over and over again. That's so you know, good. and you're gonna see. You know, you're gonna. And I, I I don't, I mean, they gave me, like, Jackie Mason tapes. I mean, it's, like, the Jewiest thing in the world. (laughs) It's, like, this little kid, I mean, I was six, seven, eight years old, and I would alternate between the La my La Bamba tape, Uh my Michael Jackson tape, which was probably off the wall, Uh and and the Jackie Mason
0: cassette <laughs> and crap. the 2000-year-old man. <laughs> That's amazing. <Yeah. laughs> wow. Did you have the vinyl at the time? Yeah, we yeah. had the
1: vinyl, but you know, that was I was the child of the 80s where it was like no one wanted to no one gave a shit
0: about it anymore. So of it was like yeah.
1: yeah, so we didn't listen to the records. We listened to tapes.
0: Yeah. It was so so you were that young and he was interested in oh, yeah. letting you watch those movies? Oh, the first stuff I remember, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just the language. My parents wouldn't let me watch Blazing Saddles until I was, like, 16. Really? Yeah, by the time I saw it, I'm like, you fuckers, this is my favorite movie of all time now. Like, of course... I mean, just because of the words. Just because... Sure. You know, that's it. They didn't care. They knew I would get it once I was old enough. But My my,
1: my parents were just, like, really liberal. Yeah. They still are. They're very liberal. Yeah. And my mom is, like... Like fuck this, fuck that. Like I think I mean I grew up with a lot of like cursing and fart and like farting and (laughs) and like you know it was just I don't know if they had quite the same. um, I don't remember them being stingy with 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 media yeah you yeah. know or really and anything like that and I don't remember it being that big of a deal to me either yeah yeah I don't remember being like oh my god hmm you know we weren't allowed to curse Uh huh but then I, I also remember my mom giving my sister and I an hour one day where we could curse as much as we wanted within one hour <laughs> Holy it was god. a cursing hour and we were just jumping on the couch like, <laughs> like cunt cunt <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god you sound. Like you have the best mom on the planet. Yeah, she's oh rocking. Oh god, that's so good. I know. Did it, now? It sounds like your dad introduced you to specifically to this stuff. Did your mom have any like comedic input, or was she? My mom is really funny. Yeah, but she
1: wasn't like into this stuff. Okay, it wasn't her experience. She actually grew up in Tucson, Arizona, as well. Oh, Okay, and she didn't have that like whatever that weird Mel Brooks like, obsession bone mm-hmm. in your body is. Like, yeah. she didn't really quite have it. That's my funny. sister kind of is into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really about my dad. And and I think I just lashed onto it so immediately. It was sure. just like, yes, yes, this <laughs> thing. This this is the thing. This is the thing. It's not it's not trying to make layups and, you know, yeah. it's this thing. Yeah. And <laughs> Even though I like, never stopped trying to make layups.
0: It sounds like it's a thing that, that you didn't ever really... Some people... With some comedy, especially like comedy music, but sometimes there's sort of a lapse, and then they rediscover it, but it sounds like it's kind of been in your blood the whole time. Yeah,
1: it kind of stayed the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, it gets reinforced because with something like 2,000 Year Old Man, and Mel Brooks movies in general, Mm -hmm. it's just the most quotable shit. For sure. So, like, we would just quote it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad would quote it to me, and I would quote it to him, and we would just... It would just constantly be reinforced. Even, t- I was just with my folks, mm-hmm. and I don't think I hang out with them ever, where, at least within a day, where there isn't some sort of, you know, say, man, say, <laughs> hey. You know, if you are so in your mind, too, you know, some <laughs> sort of, my dad will say some sort of reference to 2,000 year old
0: man. That's so good. I do. You- do you find this might be a weird question? And don't forget that water's free if you want some. Oh, um, nice. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, uh, I I'm I don't know how I even phrase this. For me, there's this, as you can probably tell, an incredible comfort in comedy. Yes, I'm looking <laughs> at a room filled with
1: comedy albums on the wall, photos, posters.
0: There's just way too much shit in here. This this apartment. So, but, but oh, this is your
1: apartment? <laughs> oh, I thought this was a store,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a thrift store, right? You can see all the fucking cameras out there. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but like, do you? F- but I don't feel the same with, com- with with music. Although, obviously, you know, I'll I'll find my moments where I desperately need music, and I need it to to make me feel a certain way. Right? Do you do you look at it in the same way like a drug that I do? Do you do you find like that you need it in the same way sometimes?
1: Uh, comedy or music? Both. Well, you know, I have a weird relationship with music. It was I was so obsessed with it when I was young, and I mean, I was really, really obsessed with Michael Jackson. Like, yeah, like I would have loved to have been molested by him when I was like young. Like, I think if you had told me, like, little three year old Jack, like you're gonna go get inappropriately fondled by Michael Jackson right now, I'd, I'd be like, yes, yeah, Christmas came early. Oh. Uh, I just loved Michael Jackson, and I wouldn't leave the house without my sparkly glove and, like, Holy a microphone. Fuck. And Yeah, I was, like, obsessed. That's amazing. So, like, I latched onto it really young, mm-hmm. and dancing was always a thing in my house. My sister was older than me. We grew up, like, watching MTV, and she would just dance, yeah. and I would try and keep up. Yeah. And everyone was always dancing in my house, and we listening to music, and my parents loved to dance, and it was just, like, a very music sort of friendly space. Uh-huh. Um, so it wasn't something I had to find on my own, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't have to, like, go in my room and be like, I need to find a respite. Right. And it's going to be music. It was like, music was already there. Sure. You know? And as I got older and I became a teenager, it started to mean different things for me and it started to be about, you know, that aggression and mm-hmm. creativity and whatever, you know, trying to be cool, um... But having but when you when you turn something that starts out as like a passion into your work yeah. you know, and you start like I was in a band and now we're touring and now we're putting a record, we're trying to be successful and now all of a sudden like it's like it starts to really taint the whole thing. Yeah. You know? And I developed a strange kind of love fear with music. Okay. Where I I love it, but I'm kind of petrified of it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm afraid I find I find how emotional it it can make me to be extremely scared. Okay. It's yep. like this is overwhelming. I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with anything bringing out like like these like real emotions yeah. out of me and so yeah. so a lot of times I don't listen to music. Because I'm either like afraid of the emotions that' will come from it, mm-hmm. or I don't want or like it's also a little bit like when I hear music, I hear the production choices, I okay. hear what the snare sounds like and the songwriting and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. sometimes that gets in the way too, sure, and that's why I think you keep going back to those original things that you loved, you know the the stuff sure. that caught you before you. for me, it's like the stuff that caught me before I was thinking about how's this song mixed, you know? Which is like Bob Dylan and things like that, you Mm -hmm.
2: know? Uh, What is your name, sir? Corinne Uh, (laughs) Corfu. Corinne Corfu, you are Greek. Greek I hope
3: I am Greek. I would like to be Greek, very much.
2: Well, that is a Greek name and you have a Greek accent.
3: Yes. Well, then perhaps I am.
2: (laughs) Well, don't you know your your derivation?
3: No, I do not know uh, my derivation. Gypsies stole me as a child. (laughs) A band of gypsies.
2: And you were brought up where?
3: I was brought up in the Persian Gulf, right here in Miami. <laughs>
2: not it's the ma- Persian
3: Gulf. No, it's a gypsy tea house. The rest Sir, of I, are called the Persian
2: Gulf. I would like to talk to you about yeah. your paintings. Now, yes, you certainly may. Are, it's my life. Color they are, and art. They are, I love art. They are very unusual. I noticed that... God bless you for your perceptions. Yes. I noticed one, you also... Uh, you sculpt, too, I noticed. Main, some... uh,
3: sculpting and painting, all the arts.
2: Uh, there is a, a metallic sculpture there that is very interesting. Yes, metal, metallic. What do you call that? It's just a series of wires uh, in a grid-like effect. What oh, do you mean co- above the door? Yes, what do you call that? Yes, this?
3: that's called the air conditioning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then with comedy, it was just always around. It was always there, and I always loved to watch funny movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, again, I have nothing that out of... The ordinary, Uh, and being having friends meant engaging in comedy. Sure, you know, I mean, that's just like what having friends is. It's just like you find friends who you can make fun of, who will make fun of you, and Mm -hmm. then you could together make fun of other people. Yeah, and you go through like that in various like degrees of viciousness. (laughs) And as you get older, like you eventually are able to like do other things or, or whatever. Sure, but it was all about music. With my, you know, growing up in high school, is all about music and talking all night about going to the record store and then listening to that CD and then talking all night on the phone about it yeah. and, like, lamenting a girl and and then giving each other shit all of day course. long, you know? Yeah. So I guess comedy, in a way, and maybe to bring it together, comedy and music is, is is kind of an escape because doing comedy music is a way of doing music without, like like wanting to cry you know <laughs> like it's a way it's a way of like having music in my life without like me having to tear my fucking soul out mm-hmm. dice it into pieces of verse chorus and bridge mm-hmm. and then try and stitch it back together and go to bed and pretend like everything is fine I just wrote a song <laughs> no big deal you know we write a, we write a song about like you know showing showing your dick to people and mm-hmm. it's like oh that's fine <laughs> That's easier.
0: Can, uh, am I wrong? Is your voice on the, on the on the Rachel Bloom record somewhere? Or
1: I think I'm on some of the sketches. Yeah, uh, maybe in a minor way.
0: Because I'm, I'm now your voice is 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 is, is echoing something no, on the it's album. That's gonna and I can't, haunt you. Yeah, it's, it's gonna fucking drive me crazy. Um, let's see. What was I gonna ask you next? Um, Son of a bitch! I'm sorry. You're just entertaining me. I'll also just apologists. add that yes. I've been like
1: really lucky to have really funny friends. Yeah. I mean, I I can't tell you how like awesome it is to be surrounded by like a a like a core group of friends who are all not only just super funny but really mm-hmm. good people. Yeah. You know, they're not shallow, empty fucks. They care about things. Yeah. That matter. They have heart. And they're really very funny, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, I don't know, I kind of lucked into that. Like, I get to just, like, be friends with all these really funny people, you right. know? It's like, I don't know what, lucky me. <laughs> right. don't <laughs> you know. No, no, no. yeah,
0: and you're in the right place for it.
1: Yeah, and they all hate themselves, at least a little bit, sure. which is good. Of course. Yeah, a friend of mine says he can't hang, he can't be friends with anyone who doesn't hate themselves, at least a little bit. Just a little, little
0: bit. bit. Uh, I, that, I think that's reasonable. And, I and, think
1: they are, and they are okay with the fact that I... Despise deeply myself. Which is nice, <laughs> generous of them.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to meet a musician who can uh, who can um, sort of admit that. <laughs> it, it, it is. I, I, I. It's and again, I think the the comedy thing doesn't hurt. Do you? Uh, so you 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 already said that you sort of made friends comedy comedy and friends or do you remember the first thing you made friends did you make friends over a piece of something where like hey you like this too now we're friends did you ever have any yeah
1: I definitely had that in like the in music mm-hmm. you know like I kind of like did an overhaul of my friend group mm-hmm. when I was like 14, 15. And I was like, I want to be... I like this kind of music. I'm going to be cool. And I got to hang out with only the people who listen to this kind of music. Sure. And I'm going to join this cult, you know. I'm yeah. just going to join this group because I have no true sense of self. <laughs> and so I did that. And luckily we all grew together and we actually, you know, everyone's great and we remain great friends. But... As we would add new friends, you know, I think you initially bond, as horrible as it is, it's like you bond, like the first thing you bond over is making fun of someone. Sure. Being like, look at that, look at that, look at that asshole over there. <laughs> look at him with his hat. Doesn't even know what a fucking, look at him, walked out of the house with that. I guarantee you he's going to be like, What's up, bro? <laughs> You know, like, you grow up and you realize that you don't have to make fun of everyone sure. in order to, like, find some sense of joy in your life. Mm-hmm. I've been told that.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um, <laughs> but, you know, that bonds young boys, I guess. I don't know. It's terrible, actually, when I think about it. <laughs> what a horrible thing. It's
0: awful. Well, you know, my be- I made my best friend by making fun of him and then felt bad for him. And then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't hang out with the guys who are hang- making fun of him. We hung out. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that's good. That is good. It turned out to be way better for me.
1: Oh, I mean, no one can make fun of you like your friends. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh God, poor, poor Dan. Dan, I'll apologize now, and later call you a piece of shit. But that's you know, feel free to call any friends of yours a piece of shit. If you, I'd just
1: rather just jump on Dan. Dan, you suck. (laughs) You're a fucking piece of shit. You're lucky Jason's even your friend.
0: (laughs) Do you? Okay, so let's let's talk about some other Mel Brooks stuff that... Sure. That, uh, unless there's another bit you want to talk about on here, but I always like to leap off to other stuff that you like. Whatever, yeah, let's, let's do it. Okay, so your, what's your favorite Mel Brooks movie?
1: Usually I say The Producers. Yeah. Um, But I think it could... It could, you know, it could easily go Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, it was Spaceballs. Sure.
0: I yeah. mean, mm-hmm.
1: I saw Spaceballs and... Actually, I saw Spaceballs before it came out.
0: Yeah, really?
1: Yeah, I saw my uncle was in the movie business, okay. and I saw it like was visiting him out in L.A. Mm-hmm. and he had a little screening room, and he showed oh. Spaceballs for That's everyone.
0: Fucking awesome!
1: I had no idea what I was getting into. Sure, I didn't. I hadn't even seen Star Wars.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: I just saw Spaceballs, <laughs> so I'm sitting there. And I was like, this is the greatest thing of all time. This is the funniest thing of all. Nothing has ever been funnier. I probably didn't even get half the joke. Sure. You know? Yeah. And it's all puns and, you know. Oh, I,
0: God.
1: Yeah. Which I really love. Sure. You know? Sure. There's, I know a lot of people don't like puns, but. I, I love them. I yeah. Love
0: them. I do love
1: them. I think they're healthy. Mm hmm. They're good so for too. you. Agreed. It's like fiber. <laughs> You have to... Yeah, it's important to have fiber in your diet. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to get shit out. Yeah. Yeah. That's what puns are. Like, you have to, like, get... Process the shit and then shit it out of your ass. When's the last time you watched that movie? Do you still like Um, it, I guess? I do still like it. I... I've I've watched it within the last couple years. Yeah, You know, I... You know, I could watch it in my mind. You know, we've sure. seen these movies so many times it's like, you yeah. know what's gonna you know every line. Yeah. And, you know, I realize the corniness of it, but yeah. I also I also think that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's corny it's corny because corny's funny and of course. whatever. So so that was a fave for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I even really like um some of the deeper cuts that are a little less popular, Mm -hmm. like, um, silent movie. Sure. I mean, when I saw silent movie, that kind of blew my mind, too. I was like, this is a crazy, like... So good. So good. Um, And, you know, I liked Men in Tights, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Right. I remember hating Life Stinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being like, this sucks. Yeah, it's too bad. I was super disappointed. Yeah. Um, But I think The Producers is the best. Yeah. That's the, if you only, if you could only keep one, mm-hmm. you keep the producers. Sure. The performances, I mean. Yeah. You can't beat them, and It's just unbelievable.
0: He's also got this formula, which maybe is not entirely strict, but he's talked about three quarters of the way through the movie, he he gives you a musical break. And right. I think that really <laughs> is right. perfect for those movies. I mean, the music so is true. so memorable in, in Frankenstein, the producers, and Blazing Saddles, at least, just to name it. And I their, wait, History of the World? Their... Mm, one of my right.
1: favorite comic songs of all time is in, is in History of the World Part 1, which is the Inquisition oh, song. Oh, yes,
0: right. Of course. Duh. What am I fucking thinking? That's amazing.
1: Isn't that the, like? I mean, that's... That's... I think that's his best... That song. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And the...
1: Choreography, the performances, the nuns doing diving into the pool and becoming synchronized swimmers—you know—the the, the the pounding percussion on the <laughs> rabbi's knees. Oh, right. can talk about it. What do you
0: say? This
1: is the best.
0: You can't talk about anything. Fuck. And that's a good pun. I don't care what anybody fucking right. says. That that whole song. Oh my god! Now, now you got me thinking. I'm gonna to have to rewatch that fucking thing. Yeah. Ju- that mean, was it's...
1: the one I've rewatched most recently. Yeah, and it, you know, look, it's it, it, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not the Godfather. Nope. you No, know? nope. And it's and it's chunky, and you know, it is just is what it is. Sure. But it's so goddamn yeah. funny. Oh, and yeah. i and still to this day waiting for Jews in Space, which is teased at the end. Yeah, I realize that
0: Spaceballs is sort of that's sort of what Spaceballs is. Yeah,
1: but at true. the end, yeah. You know, Coming soon Jews in space
0: (laughs) So fucking good Jews in space And then Hitler on ice Right Both at the end of that Yeah So fucking good Yeah And then Jews in space That song is actually Becomes the men in tights Theme if I remember Basically the same. Really, I I'd have so. to listen. To that. Juice and in space. I don't know. I have to listen to it again, but I'm pretty sure Juice in space. The I love song. the Men in <laughs> Tights song too. Yeah. yeah, it's great. No, it's really good. I get that in my head sometimes, just randomly. I know, and honestly, uh, I will just say it's like my least favorite of his films outside of Life Stinks. But there are some things that stick in my head, and it includes most of the fucking music in that movie. He's
1: such a great songwriter. Yeah, I mean, they, they, he's just great. He's mm-hmm. absolutely great. We've taken our
2: portable tape recorder into. The jungles of Argentina, and we're going to speak to the coffee plantation owner, a Spanish gentleman who calls himself Senor Lopez de Vega Diaz. Uh, Senor Lopez, how long have you been a coffee plantation owner?
3: For a number of years here
2: <clears throat> in Argentina. Uh, your name is Lopez de Vega Diaz.
3: Yes, whatever.
2: But <laughs> what they've what we said. Uh, just a moment, sir. I'm a little confused. Your name is. Uh, Senor López de Vega-Díaz, is that a Spanish accent you're affecting, sir? Yes, my parents
3: were born here on the plantation, and I was here And uh, in uh, 1926. Uh, it's, it's... We won the plantation in 1932. Uh, we uh, won the rights to all the peripheral areas in the plantation no, sir, and you... started growing the coffee beans in 1935, sir, the production uh, of
2: ju- beans. Are you Spanish? Yes, I am. Well, what? You don't look Spanish to me, sir. You're wearing a, a white linen suit and the broad brimmed hat we and a little. Poland
3: mu- in 19
2: days. <laughs> the Spanish? Took 19 po- days. I don't remember it, the Argentine uh, the
3: in and- No, the coffee beans. Sorry. The coffee bean can be grown and matured in hot houses in 19 days.
0: Okay, did you see the producers? Broadway show? Did it did. Yeah. What'd you uh, think? Yes. Of, what, what's your opinion of it out of curiosity? Well, I loved it.
1: I mean, I saw it when it first opened.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You got to see it with the original cast. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck. I, uh, I, I really that. lucked
1: out with that. <sighs> because, I mean, my dad was so excited. Sure. You know, there was no way we were missing that. Right. It was just like, you know. It's <sighs> amazing. Yeah. And it was great. And it was great. It was really good. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, I'm down.
0: You yeah. Know? I didn't dig when they made a movie out of the musical because it didn't feel as tough that made no just, sense to me. It was just like it just didn't work. it didn't work
1: and and I couldn't think of anything less than necessary,
0: yeah oh, yeah, like, Well I mean you know. like why like,
1: you right, I mean obviously yeah, why not,
0: but like does Mel need the money? Does Mel really need the money?
1: I mean, I think Maybe. We, enough has come out, like, recently where you see how, like, Mel and Carl live, where, mm-hmm. like,
0: they don't right. need the money. They're right.
1: You know, Cantor's is only so expensive. Yeah,
0: right. You know? Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know you what know, I love? That's the other thing about these two guys, too, is, like, they start out, like, doing the shit of parties. They get famous because of this. Obviously, they'd already been working on your show of shows and all this other stuff. Which I love still, as well. Oh, so fucking good. Yeah. Um. But then, like, now they're they, they hang out, like, every day. Like, they're best friends. I know, like they always it's hang out. Like, it's fucking adorable. It's the most beautiful thing ever. I, I wish I could watch them with binoculars. I'm sorry, Mr. Brooks, if you're listening. I know I've tried to get you on the podcast before, and this will be the one thing that makes you never come on, but I wish I could watch you and your best friend with binoculars.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you, know, you know, and may, maybe you're wearing clothes and maybe you're not wearing clothes while that's not. happening, I mean, and that's not his business, exactly, that's yours. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. if he wants to get binoculars to see you, then that's his prerogative. I agree. Yeah. 100%.
0: This is America.
1: But he doesn't have to. No. No, absolutely <laughs> But if Carl wants to, not. and and Carl wants to be naked, whatever, anyone can do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's just so cool. I mean, he's he's a fucking genius. They yeah. both are yeah. absolute geniuses. And I, I'm i so glad that they're such good friends. And mm-hmm. it's just like, it makes you like, be sort of like, okay with like, the world and mm-hmm. life. It's like, okay, I guess. Right. Things aren't so bad, like Mm -hmm. Carl and Mel are still really good friends, so
0: they watched movies together. And you can listen to them play off each other in this album so much, I'm sorry, I've diverted us a million times, but like, just the way they play off each other and they're like laughing, making each other laugh, it still feels like they're doing it at a party. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, I wonder how many times they had done it by the time they recorded. Right. I don't know the answer to that. But. And
0: it's not entirely polished, and obviously, editing equipment back then was a little rougher, so you can hear a lot of the edits. But yeah. it doesn't really kill it for me. I, I still love it. Like they're clearly like, "Fuck this!" You, here's the joke you're really gonna like, and they gave gave you what you wanted. But <clears throat> it's mostly these long riffs and these long runs that don't entirely make a lot of sense. Right. But they don't they don't always make a lot of sense,
1: and they're just like, Carl just knew that. Mel would have a defined enough character Mm -hmm. that if he threw it in all these bits, if he threw anything at him, Mm -hmm. that he'd have something immediately. He'd be able to see through the lens of that character and have something immediately to say about it. Sure. And my, I know it's obvious, but it's just, is there a better? um, Is there a better? Understatement, like a, a comedic performance that 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 depends on understatement, than the two thousand around man routine. I mean, I mean he's yeah. he's <laughs> it's it's he's understating everything. <laughs> he's making everything just this like this little small life thing yeah. that was just his own personal little experience thing but you're talking about world history right and right. like the, you know the dawn of man you know mm-hmm. and he's just like yeah, yeah, oh uh, how did you first know uh, that there who first found women Bernie you know it's like, yeah. <laughs> there was a specifically his
0: friend <laughs> so good so you knew Joan of Arc I went with her <laughs> Are you <laughs> idiot I went with her I mean, um, uh, you
1: go say France.
0: <laughs> I'll wash up.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, so we we normally do, we get to this point in the podcast, is if you're going to tell somebody who's never heard this album before, there are probably a lot of people at this point who haven't, a lot of people who were maybe only brought up on Latter-day Mel Brooks stuff, why would you tell them to listen to this? Why is it so important?
1: <sighs> God, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. I know.
0: Um, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I guess if you if you like um, if you like comedy, and I, I think you could say this about a lot of the records that you talk about on this podcast. I'm mm-hmm. sure these old these older records. You know, if you like modern comedy, this is a foundation piece. I mean, sure. it's this is part of the foundation that all of what's happened since then has been built on. You know, mm-hmm. these guys being able to like create timeless bits out of just smartly defined characters mm-hmm. and, and really like loose, easy improvisation. Right. And it's also just so fucking funny. Yeah. So even if it doesn't matter what the context is, it's just fucking funny. They're just two of the funniest people of all time talking to each other. Yeah, You know, it's the, uh, to me, it's like the, you know, those scenes in, in Curb Your Enthusiasm where they had, they did the Seinfeld. Oh yeah. Uh, arc mm-hmm. you know there were scenes in curb where it was just jerry seinfeld and larry david talking mm-hmm. in their little office right and i thought I'll, i just want to watch these guys talk yeah you know just talk to each other tape it and i'll watch it for hours on end sure. and that's carl reiner and mel brooks yeah you know this is born out of them hanging out you know mm-hmm. and like drinking and probably like Smoking way too many cigarettes and like Weed
0: at parties oh, yeah.
1: And joking around And it it's rare to get a glimpse I think on like something so genuine
0: Yeah, yeah and I like the cover because look, you look at this nice, handsome family man, Carl Reiner. And Mel Brooks is a handsome guy, but he looks like he's going to start some shit.
1: He does. He looks a little... Som- fucking there's great. There's something, something uh,
0: menacing about his expression there. He was notorious, too, for fucking with people. Your show shows. So I just, you know, you can see it in his eyes. And it's still there. When people interview him, it's still there. Yeah. And like, he's just ready to start some shit. And
1: he's so goddamn sharp. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I'm a fucking idiot now. <laughs> (laughs) What am I going to be like when I'm 80? I'm going to be mush. I mean, I'm going to be absolute mush. I'll be as sloppy as the fucking oatmeal dripping down my face. Mel Brooks is up
0: there, like, with zingers, you know? I know. I don't get it. It blows my mind. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this show. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. Um, Plug whatever you'd like to plug right now. Twitter, (laughs) albums, your website.
1: Okay. uh, Twitter, I'm at... Jack Dolgen, J-A-C-K-D-O-L-G-E-N. Um, I'm on Twitter. I, I, uh, I'm on, uh, I on... a website is jackdolgen.com, which isn't that exciting. There's just some stuff that I just post stuff that's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I co-host a podcast mm-hmm. um, with my friend Doug Mand called Duty Calls with Doug Mand, and that's mm-hmm. a podcast is about shitting yourself and needing to shit and hoping that you don't shit. And uh, every episode is uh, a comedian, a writer, uh, or actor, or performer coming on telling a shit story. Um, So Uh, check out Duty Calls with Doug Mann. That's always fun. And then um, definitely get Rachel Bloom's album, um, Please Love Me. Just finished a a song, a video just came out uh, with Bridget Ryan, who's also Uh super funny, and that's a comedy song that I... Uh, producing Corey with with her. She's awesome, so check out um her new song, um what the fuck did we call it? <laughs> it's definitely not called What the fuck did we call it? <laughs> it's called Boy, I Want to Take You to a Wedding. And it's super funny. She's really talented. And it's about... It's a song about um, getting constantly invited to weddings and not having anyone to take. And she st- basically mm-hmm. starts asking just strangers more increasingly desperately awesome. to come to her wedding. And it's the style of uh, like a 60s girl group Nice. Song, so it's oh, super fun to That's make. good. So anyway, check out all that stuff. We're just... Or just don't and live your life and it'll be the fucking same. Nothing is going to be different if you don't read my tweet about how I farted. It's just like, you'll be fine. If anything, you'll like retain one more brain cell. Right, right. So basically what I'm saying is is don't listen to anything I've done. Don't watch anything I've been a part of. And don't read anything that I write. Until next time.
0: <laughs> well, thank you again. This has been awesome. Everybody, thank you for listening, and as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit stolendress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash comedyonvinyl and Twitter at comedyonvinyl.
3: She at the bottom of the Tim Nolan, he got ripping mad, his eyes were bulging out. He jumped upon the piano,
0: and loudly he did shout.
3: Who threw the overalls in
2: Mrs. Murphy's shoulder? Nobody spoke, so he shouted all the louder.